0: Welcome to the season finale of 2020 Blood, Sweat and Tears. Today, for our final episode, we're speaking to Serena about her experiences of the pandemic from Singapore, where she's been living since 2019. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's great to have you all the way from Singapore. Thanks so much for having me. Obviously, in England now, we've been under a lot of different restrictions for almost a year. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience of this this past year being in
1: Singapore? Yeah. So, well, for Singapore, it really has been over a year now. So, the first actual community case within Singapore was back in the 23rd of January. Um, so, from this point, so literally from January 2020, um, there was temperature screening and all visitors in January coming from China were having to isolate. And then even in February, we were already going into rotational working, masks were being given out. um, And that's when sort of contract tracing came in. And I think that's something that Singapore has done really well. Then um, basically allowed us to stay open and not go straight into a lockdown. But then, then it came in mid-March, we went into, well, circuit breaker. That was really sort of only because the rates started to escalate. When we were looking at 1,000 rates a day and the clusters were too big and they couldn't trace every single person, um, that's when... So it was in April, just before Easter, that we went into a circuit breaker. But even before that, I guess what's weird for us and when we see England is that even back in March, it was so part of our day that you always put on a mask. You always checked in where you were. Um, you're on rotational working. You would never be in big groups. Things started closing early. Here in Singapore, you still do national service. So they've got a large pool of you know, young tech savvy um, students And they were all put in charge of the contract tracing. So
0: so they had like a ready to go pool of people to start working straight away.
1: Which meant that they were so good at, especially the young people. So one person got COVID, and through like a Facebook photo, my friend was contacted and they said, okay, you were in the background of this photo, not even in the same group, but you were within two meters. Um, you have to stay at home and isolate for two weeks. And because the numbers were relatively low, you could really um, isolate and ring fence all of their contacts. So in the first sort of quarter one, that's how um, they were managing to keep COVID under control. But then obviously, because it escalated, so then in April, we went into a circuit breaker, which was pretty pretty strict pretty brutal yeah what were
0: the what were the kind of restrictions that you were facing under that
1: so that is everyone you're in your house and again because in Singapore most people live in condos live in flats when we saw when I see people back in England who had these huge gardens or everyone had a room each I was just so jealous (laughs) because we were just hauled up in our flat and you know you're working there you're eating there you're living there you're sleeping there And you honestly cannot go outside unless it is for your one supermarket. You go by yourself. um, You must wear your mask all the time, even exercise. You had to do it within the restrictions of your local neighbourhood. And you could take down your mask just for exercise. But if it wasn't considered strenuous, then you would literally get a fine on the spot.
0: So you've got to be like running jogging or cycling or <laughs> well like, it
1: made you run you're like I can't stop if you go out for a jog you were jogging the whole way
0: and did you see people out there enforcing the rules and speaking to people and and making sure that they're being followed a lot
1: yeah definitely so there was social distance enforcers who wore, you know their wow. cap their t-shirts um and obviously because the newspapers are very much controlled by the Singapore government every There was a lot of, you know, this person left to go to a friend's house. He's been slapped with this fine all over the news. Like, really, really trying to warn people. People are encouraged to take photos and report it. So, like, there's apps.
0: You couldn't sound more different, I don't think, from the (laughs) UK's handling of... The UK is very much, like, hands off, like, this is what you should do. But if you're not going to do it, then we're probably not going to do anything about it.
1: One of the things is that people really listen to their governments and they're doing it to protect. There is such like a sense of community in terms of Mm. everyone wants to protect their elderly or their elderly relatives or their families. So you just do what the government says. You don't question it. You Mm. would never have a rave with 20 or 200 people in like a factory.
0: But if you do that in Singapore, you're going to face real severe consequences. I mean, in your view, has it been a successful way of managing the pandemic? Like, we've had so much criticism in the UK of the government, I think quite rightly, because they're kind of the opposite end. They're extremely chaotic. They can't make a decision. They do a lot of U-turns. It seems like Singapore's completely the other way. But has it been without kind of criticism?
1: So they definitely 100% reacted really quickly. And again, they do have the resources and they are like a wealthy city state that they can you know, also provide the employee credits and things to keep everyone in work. Um, but I, I think they had the opportunity to respond and to be on the world stage and to be the shining example, sort of a New Zealand. But I think the one thing that really let them down was in terms of their handling of migrant workers. So in Singapore, there's, there's around 1.4 million migrant workers um and they come from less developed um countries in southeast asia like bangladesh or india um and they work in like manual uh blue collar like construction labor housekeeping um and a large proportion of them all live in dormitories Uh, and these dormitories yeah they're very basic there's about 20 of them in a room they're all sharing a common area There can be about five rooms sharing shower facilities. They'll all be working outdoors together, eating together in big canteens. So I guess in terms of social distancing, it's just not possible when there's 20 of you sleeping in a room. So it was kind of a ticking time bomb. It just would take one person to get COVID and then everyone. So... Uh, inevitably that did happen um, and so then they had to all they had to lock down all the dormitories um, and they had to obviously try and separate people move them into temporary facilities but I think the way it was it basically shone a light in Singapore in so not their dirty secret their dirty laundry but how this you know Singapore paints itself as very, progressive you know but then it's got sort of the foundations of singapore the people who build it the people who work every day are being treated so poorly like there's no minimum wage That even so even the migrant workers now and not their whole dorms were completely locked down they were stuck in their rooms every single day food brought to them
0: is that throughout when the rest of the rest of Singapore is coming out of the restrictions, yeah. going into the different phases, and they're still locked down completely?
1: So even in so phase one, phase two, they're locked down. Phase three, they're now allowed to have a few hours at designated recreation centres. Um, but again, they're not they're not mixing in the community, and loads of people in the community have actually you know really stood up, and there's been loads of training of uh, works in the dormitories so like teaching them online skills um or like delivering and doing classes to them online which has been so nice to see um so in that sense people in Singapore and Singaporeans have really stepped up but I think it is just quite ingrained in that they're not seen as part of the community
0: yeah there's a big divide
1: and even so we have a message that's got sent to us every day which said how many cases were in the community. And so it would say, you know, 400 cases in the community and then it would say 1,000 cases in dormitories. And the fact that then, wow. yeah, it's just considered, oh, you don't need to worry because they're in the dormitories and they're locked up and they're not part of this community.
0: speaking around your experience kind of of 2020 last year obviously you are from the UK you had plans to come back I think on multiple occasions which were dashed your other half lives in the UK and it sounds like it quite a tough situation really especially with the really really strict travel restrictions in Singapore and then I guess in Europe as well so I was wondering if you could tell me a bit about your your experience with that
1: Yeah, so I have a boyfriend back in England. So in the pandemic, not ideal. Um, Long distance got a bit longer. From March, Singapore's completely shut down. So anytime you do leave the country, when you come back in, you have to do a two-week stay in a designated hotel. These are hotels you can't pick. And also they cost quite a bit of money. You know, if they say, "Can you put a price on love?" Yeah, you can. It's two weeks away in <laughs> quarantine. Um, but no, I mean, to be honest, in June I think I was cracking a bit. but was like, "Right, I've got, I've got to leave." So in September, um, I actually met my boyfriend and my parents in France. So I did a little Singapore jail break, which was good. Nice. Yeah. Then. Yeah then when I came back I had to sort of you go through the airport and it's it was so eerily quiet there's no one there obviously everything is super organized you turn up you have to have all your approvals printed you're then given a sticker and your sticker color is what hotel you're going to it's all very mysterious and then you get put on a bus no one's telling you where you're going yeah, well, it's so strange because you're literally taken to this room. You're not even given a key card because you're never going to leave it until someone comes to get you. Um, but actually, I was quite lucky in my hotel. You know, my room was fine. I had had enough space for my Joe Wicks to do my ten thousand steps.
0: <laughs> Joe Wicks every single day to keep sane during quarantine. Um, I'm thinking about the year in general. Obviously, it's been a a strange one and quite a difficult one for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons but for me I've found there's been quite a few unexpected upsides or unexpected positives that I wouldn't really have thought would happen. Have there been anything like that for you that you've enjoyed or or found like unexpected joy in in the last year or so?
1: Yeah no 100% I think We are, all of us who are in Singapore are so fortunate and so lucky and we completely appreciate that, okay, we had two not ideal months, but other than that, we have come off so lightly Um, and I think even just in lockdown, so I was living with my housemate who was amazing and, you know, actually when we look back on it, it was quite funny and quite hilarious. We live in this tiny flat, but in the morning we'd move all our furniture to the side and we'd do our F45 and we'd zoom in our other friends in a different flat. And then, you know, we'd put our furniture back together and then we'd make it into a study. And then we'd move our study to the side and it would be a dining room. People haven't been able to go back home or people aren't travelling every month like they were before. So we're all here and it's sort of like you're all in it together. Everyone really supports everyone else, and um, especially when they know You know, everyone's missing family. So like in lockdown, we did every Friday night, we had a themed Zoom where we'd all get dressed up and take it very seriously. And I think everyone who's been in Singapore now, you know, we've all been here over Christmas because no one was sort of able to go home. Um, But everyone really looks out for each other. And I guess also the other thing, the classic, that everyone has been appreciating it's the long walks and the podcasts and voice notes.
0: Serena, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and talking about all of your experiences of 2020.
1: No, thank you so much for having me and listening to all my trials and tribulations.
0: And thank you so much to everyone who has joined me for this season of 2020 Blood, Sweat and Tears. Bye for now.